family, or that leg of the leg of All right. Uh, if you're joining us tonight online, we want to welcome you. Actually, you know, right here, actually, we experience what God's doing. And love to have you guys here. Come and be a part of it. There's a place for you, and there's a job for you, and there's someone you can just plug in. Speaking of that, let me share with you just for a minute a little bit about what's happening at Rough Lane Baptist Church. Some of you may know our youth group is preparing to go at the end of February to the Great Camp. It's a, a little Friday night, Saturday night, they come home Sunday afternoon, a winter camp. Kind of a break. It's a lot more fun than it is actually teaching. There's a little bit of teaching, but it's a whole lot of fun, a whole lot of activities, rock climbing, zip lining, uh, things of that nature. Yeah, they get to do a lot of things it's right there at Lake Glen, just at the road in Durango. Um, so they're going to have a lot of fun with that, and they'll have a lot of breakout sessions that last about an hour, hour and a half, like 14 or 15 chapter sessions, and the food is really, really good. Um, and what I like best about it is there's no cell phone allowed. And you know, they, will, they will take that cell phone and give it to the youth leader if they see people up. You know? So anyways, I really like that. For those of you without the cell phone, they can be able to contact the youth leader that's there uh, with them. And right now, our youth leader is going to be Darius and Andrew. So, Please remember Darius and Amber are going to be ready for that. It's going to be a hard time finding them out. But they're going to have a fundraiser, you know, to help them get to this camp. And that fundraiser is coming up on February 9th. And what that's going to be called is, what's called it? Love, Laughter, and Life or something like that. It's a fundraiser. And it's going to bring friends together, a couple. And we'll pick out the couple. The fundraiser is going to be 8 or $10. They haven't quite set the price yet. It's going to be an Italian food. Night, I think we're looking at chicken parmesan, and of course, you know, kids are playing the menu, so chicken parm is something they've never seen that before. And they want to play a game called How Well Do You Know Your Boobs? And that game will be during the dinner time frame. What they'll do is ask the couple that are there uh, interesting questions How well do you know your wife? How well do you know your husband? And the jump to make them laugh at each other. Um, life, laughter, and love, I think we're going to call them something like that. And um, after that, that's going to be a quick deal. They're going to put on some Christian comedians for you guys to watch to laugh at. Those Christian comedians are, you think this guy up here was funny. You haven't seen anything yet. So I've got a chance to preview these guys. And I personally guarantee you you'll need tissues, not from crying from pain, but crying from laughter. It was, it was that fun. You're going to enjoy it. And so please, please come and support your YouTube family. So that's some things that are that's coming up in February. Uh, also in February, we are already beginning to plan another church to cook off. This will be a fundraiser for Operation Cookstyle Cooking. So we're getting ready to do that as well. So be in prayer about that. And of course, we're also planning something right now through the library that's a little bit under wraps. But I can tell you right now, if we get this up off the ground, that's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to do it off the campus and somewhere else, maybe at Tri River Baptist area. And so be in prayer about that. I'm very excited about this. It's going to be the most exciting. All right. Very good to see each and one of you. So we're constantly busy and doing something here at Robinson Avenue. Oh, I also wanted to remind you that we did get confirmation this week uh, from the church we're working with in Michigan. And so we will be going to Michigan at the end of July this year. So please be in prayer about that as we set together a team to help put on a vacation Bible school there. And we'll do a nightly revival service in one day. So love you, thank you. Yes, ma'am. So be in prayer about that. We're working with the doctor, the Reverend Dr. Stephen Gustavo. Very dear friend of mine and a wonderful man. And so please be in prayer for him and his church as uh, they get ready to receive Robinson Avenue and as we get ready to, to mingle with Yankees. <laughs> All right. So 
there's going to be a lot of fun in Michigan. They will have a lot of making fun of our accents. They're going to say, well, why do you say detox? We're going to say, why do you say beige instead of bag? You know, we're going to have a lot of fun with that. So get ready for that. All right, have your Bibles with you. We're going to pick back up where we started out Sunday evening. We had 10 years of one time gave us Bible talks. We actually went through five of those, and we're going to pick up on the sixth one. But I kind of want to give you a little bit of a refresher on those first five. So we're going to start out in Second Peter. Um, that's what we'll look at right there. So if you have your Bible, someone please read Second Peter. And let's just jump quickly through those slides so we can get to Second Peter chapter 1. We're looking again in our opening verses, chapter 20 to, excuse me, verse 20 to 21. Bible says, knowing this first, <coughs> that no prophecy of Scripture is in any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Maybe we talked a little bit about how there were people out there who get out there today saying, I have the one and only interpretation of the prophecy. And if you're not listening to me, you must have it wrong. Well, the Bible debunks that. There's absolutely no private interpretation. So there's something to hold on there to that. That being said, I want to ask if you will go to the Lord in prayer with me. And let's ask God to give us some discernment and ask God to give us some meditation tonight as we take a look at these ten reasons why God gave us Bible prophecy. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. And once again, we want to thank you for your word. Your word is quick, it's powerful, it's something you create short. And I pray right now, Lord, that it works to our hearts and to our lives. Speak to us. Prepare us, Lord God, for what you have for us. And Lord, as we start making our way into the year 2024, help us, Lord God, to look with trustful eyes to see prophecies being fulfilled see what's happening, Lord God, and to be excited about your soon return, Lord, instead of afraid. And I pray, Lord, that we would be praying for your return. And I pray, Lord, we'd be praying for the peace of Jerusalem. And I pray, Lord, we'd be praying for an opportunity to share the gospel and help us, Lord God, to be burdened, to look out in the fields and see them right towards the harvest. And I pray, Father, that we begin praying right now for laborers to go into the field. And I ask this in Jesus' name, right now, that we look at your word, speak to us, be glorified, in all right, so let's move on to our next slide quickly now. Remember, number one that we looked at was Bible prophecy shows that God speaks with truth. We took a look at Bible prophecy coming true. We took a look at God's Word coming true. And we took a look at how it's impossible for God to lie. So let's take a look at that next slide. Hebrews 6, 17, 18, thus God determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability. We took a look at that word, immutability of His counsel. Immutability means it can't be changed. He confirmed it by an oath. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. Number one, we might have strong consolation and have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. And what's the second one? Does anybody know what it is for bonus point? Number one, God can't lie. What's the second one? The Bible's God's Word. And number two, if Jesus, God can't lie, He's coming back, right? That's our immutable hope there. All right, let's take a look at our next slide. Number two, Bible prophecy proves the Bible is God's Word. It's kind of, kind of redundant, really, if you take a look at the very first one. God can't lie. The Bible prophecy also proves that the Bible is God's Word. Now let's look at the Scripture. We had to notice that quickly now. One out of time. Second Scripture. It's Isaiah 46, verses 9 to 11. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, there's no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I declare in the end, from the beginning, from the ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel stand, and I will do all my pleasure, calling the bird of prey from the east, the man who executes my counsel from a far country. Indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. God's word will come forth. How many of you know that 
the earth will pass away, the flower will fade, the grass will fade, but the word of the Lord, help me out now, will never, never fade away. It is the Lord's will. All right, next slide. Third one, Bible prophecy shows God is in control. Sometimes we get to thinking, oh my goodness, God's not in charge. God doesn't know what's happening. I want to remind you there's nothing, nothing that catches God by surprise. Not one thing out there. That fire on Oak Street cannot catch God by surprise. The problems in your life have not caught God by surprise. If you're online tonight and you're saying, I don't know what's happened in my life, I want you to know God knows and it hasn't caught Him by surprise. And Bible prophecy shows that God is in control. Remember, our third reason shows that God is in complete control. He's sovereign. And I spend a lot of time talking over what that word sovereign means. Anybody know what sovereign means in the top of your head? Sovereign is an old word. Huh? All authority. Very good. Somebody else said something over here? Very good. So it is a combination of words. Notice you've got rain in there. Sov means kind of control. Sov means king or control, and reign means all authority. He's our sovereign, the one who reigns with all authority. And they sound like a big theological word, but sovereign means that God is ultimately in control of every single detail. Let's take a look at the scripture we had to go along with that. Isaiah 46, verse 9. We kind of went over that a minute ago. I am God and there's no other. I am God and there's none like me. He is sovereign. And we went over just specifically pointing out that there is no other God but Jehovah. There is none whatsoever but Jehovah. That means Allah is not God. Buddha is not God. Muhammad is not God. We can go on and on and on. All those Hindu gods are not God. The God that Ramaswamy worships is not God. The only God is the God of Israel, Jehovah. He is the one and only. And His Word declares it. And remember, His Word says He cannot lie. There is no other I am God. There's none like me. Not even small people underneath him. Not even small things underneath him. He is God. And there is no other. You should be comforted with that. Next slide. Number four. Bible prophecy demonstrates God's love for us. The fourth reason for God giving us Bible prophecy is to demonstrate that God loves us and that He has a plan for our lives. Remember, God has a plan for you. I know that's kind of hard to believe, but when you become a Christian, God's got a job for you. God's got a reason for you. God's got a purpose for you in His body, in His house, with His people. God has something for you to do. And I know when I was a young Christian, a lot of young men were gaslighted into, and I know this sounds bad, but they were gaslighted into surrendering to the ministry. And we had people standing up saying, God's calling me to be the first Christian comic book artist. Okay, <laughs> whatever. But where are they now? And the reason why is because we took some of that and gaslighted them with it. No. Sometimes our job isn't necessarily to be the preachers and the teachers and the deacons. Sometimes our job is to be that prayerful church member. Let me tell you, there's something great about a church member who sits in the pew every Sunday. Amen. Coming from a pastor, that is the most beautiful thing in the world. And preaching in other churches. When I look out to see other churches, you guys come out to support me, and you're there in those pews. When I was over at First Baptist Church a month ago, and I looked out there, and there was a whole, you know, First Baptist pews are as long as our sanctuary, y'all. And there was a whole pew filled up with RABC people. You bless my heart. Praise God for that. God's prophecy demonstrates love, and God's prophecy shows us how much He loves us and how much He plans for us. And some of those plans are big, and some of those plans are small. But you, as a Christian, get to figure out what that plan is in your relationship with God. Let's take a look at this scripture. Oh, well, I have to check the part of the slide there. And let's take a look at the scripture. So let's get to the next one. 
Jeremiah 29, 11. How many of you knew that was coming, right? <laughs> but I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of shalom and not of Israel to give you a future and hope, not of evil to give you future and a hope, right? not of jobs to give you a plan for you, not a reason for you, but something for you to be a part of. So some of you may feel like, I don't know what God's calling me to do. Hang in there for a minute. You're going to find your niche. I promise you, you will. You're going to find it. God's going to put you somewhere in your place. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't believe for one iota of a minute that any of us are supposed to be absolutely just sitting there saying, I can do nothing. All of us have something to do. And in the words of one of my favorite creation people out there, he says, all of us can find something to do for the Lord, even as serving as a bad example. Right? <laughs> Uh, anybody know who that was? That was Kent Hogan, one of my favorite creation guys. All right, so let's take a look at the next slide. Number five, this is where we left off, right after this one on Sunday evening. He's built the Bible prophecy describing God's plan. This reason deals with how skeptics of Bible prophecy misconstrue the prophecy for being too general or too vague or too big. But if you take a closer look, God provides many specific details about his plan for the ages, and he does. Sometimes he gives us minute details. And let me tell you something that I find amazing in Bible prophecy is God makes every word come true. And you've got to remember something. Biblically, to be a prophet, you have to be 100% correct. Help me out now. All the time. 100% of the time. can't be correct 90% of the time. 99% of the time, 99.9% of the time. You have to be correct 100% of the time. That means Nostradamus. That means all these other cats that are out there saying, I got some prophecies out there, and they're right 10% of the time, they're false prophets. False prophets. Uh, round 2020, just a few years ago, round 2020, uh, we had all kinds of people jumping up on YouTube, on social media, stating, God has told me who's the next president going to be. God has told me who this one's going to be and who that one's going to be. And God has told me what's going to happen here. And incidentally, every one of them will be wrong. That's right. That's right. And what's funny is some of them still have followers. They say, I'm still talking to God. And I'm thinking, that to be 100% right, 100% of the time. If you're not, then you're not of God. So remember, Bible prophecy describes God's plan. So I've got 10 minutes left to try to get to the next five, six of them. Let's take a look at the next one right here. Number six. Let's go ahead and skip to the scriptures that I want to use for number five. One more slide. Here we go. Second Peter 3 verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. And some count slackness because that's what a lot of people say about God's promises. Well, it's been 2,000 years and he hasn't come back now. Somebody should thank God that he hasn't come back yet. I still got loved ones that need to get saved. That ought to be a burden for me to go and get them. Amen? And so it's my job and my burden to win them. It's my job to keep sharing and witnessing to them there. And the Lord's not slack concerning his promise. Some count slackness, but it's long suffering toward us, not willing that any compare, but it also comes to repentance. And we talked a little bit about what it means in Hebrew for God to be patient. And then we talked a little bit about a feature then of God, and it's rather humorous as we take a look at that. All right, let's look at number six. Here it comes. Uh oh, back it up. Back it, there we go. Number six. Bible prophecy demonstrates God's might. It demonstrates God's might. So we're picking up tonight. So if you count with our first five, on Sunday evening, you can pick up any notes here on number six. Bible prophecy demonstrates God's might. The sixth reason revolves around God's characteristic of being mighty. El Shaddai, God Almighty. The 
fact that God the Father gave up His one and only Son to die for the penalty of our sins so that those who place their faith in Jesus may be redeemed is truly praiseworthy. Somebody say amen. It really is. That is what Almighty is all about. And that's what Bible prophecy leads to. God sent His only begotten Son. God gave a way for man to be redeemed. God gave a way for man to be forgiven. And then we have the audacity to think He's not coming back. Let's look at our next picture here. The promise that Jesus Christ is going to return one day in might and power to victoriously defeat Satan and his minions and set up his kingdom to make you stand up and shout, Hallelujah! It did me when I wrote this in my office. I thought, BJ, I had a heart attack. I said, Hallelujah! She said, What is wrong with you, boy? Has been known to do that. Almighty God alone is worthy of our praise and worship, and Bible prophecy shows us why. Please remember this is a very, very Bible teaching, and we put it together uh, when our UBAC got canceled on Sunday night. We put it together quickly, so we could have spent a lot more time on Bible prophecy showing how mighty God is. You understand in Hebrew culture, the strength of somebody's character is on the trustworthiness of their word. You understand that? You understand why God says, I'll, I'll put my word. Is going to build my name to a song. My character is mighty. My character is trustworthy. And you can trust what I say. And when I say it, it's coming back, it's coming back. All right, let's take a look at the next slide. Look at those scriptures there. Isaiah 65 11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God's word is something you can trust, and it shows that He's mighty. God's Bible prophecy shows that He's mighty. His Word is mighty. The devil is not afraid of your Ph.D. or your doctrines of divinity. He's not afraid of your masters of divinity, your Bible knowledge. He is terrified, though, of the Word of God. Amen? He is terrified of God's Word because he must submit to the power of God's Word. God said it. It's going to happen whether he likes it or not. All right. Let's move on to the next one. I have five minutes left. Number seven. Bible prophecy proves God is worthy. Proves that He's worthy. The seventh reason why God gave us Bible prophecy is to demonstrate how big God is and how tiny we are in comparison. How small we are. In fact, the more I look at God and the more I look into His Word, the more small I find myself feeling. And you know that is not just a bad way to look at Him. He is so big. He is so worthy. He is so praiseworthy, and I find myself becoming smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and less and less and less important. And he becomes more and more and more important. That's the better Christian life that I have. Nobody's like God, not one of us. Therefore, He alone is worthy of us living our lives trying to please Him through obedience and acts of love. And that's what we're supposed to do as Christians. We please Him through obedience and acts of love. Let's take a look at our next one. Even though God is far greater than we are, He still has a, or has a use for us, and that is to serve and fellowship with Him. Why should we? Because He alone is worthy. And Bible prophecy proves that. Of all obedience and praise, Bible prophecy points us to that fact. Let's take a look at Scripture to go along with it. Hebrews 4, 12 13. For the Word of God is living, powerful, Sharper than any two-edged sword. I missed my old King James there when it says living. It just says, for the word of God is quick and powerful. Quick is the old word for alive. For it's living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, 
and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, don't forget that last part of verse 12. The Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. Verse 13, there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eye of him to whom we must give account. You will give account to God. I will give account to God. My beautiful wife will give account to God. Your children will give account to God. Every one of us will do that. There is no exception to that. And we are open and naked. There is nothing you can hide from Him. Do you ever get tickled when you read the story of Genesis? And they make themselves fig leaves? <laughs> and they take their hiding from God? You know, that's what we continue to do to this day when we try to hide our sins from God. All right, next slide. Number eight. Bible prophecy promises evil will be punished. You can take comfort in that. A lot of times you say, God, how come you're taking a long time to punish this? God, how come you're not bringing judgment? God, they deserve judgment. The Bible promise, prophecy promises that evil will be punished, and you can be comforted in that. Incidentally, you need to be comforted in this fact that vengeance is God, not ours. Amen? The eighth point involves how on this earth evil often gets away with its time. And it does. Bad people commit bad things. They do. In fact, they've written whole books about it. Why do bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people? Why is that? Bad people commit bad things often without ever facing punishment. And yet, Bible prophecy promises that swift justice is coming. Evil in this world does have an end to it. That is one of the beautiful things about Bible prophecy. Let's look at that next slide quickly now. While we patiently wait for that glorious day, God is mercifully providing humanity short reprieve. Two, number one, to return to Him in repentance. And number two, to grab hold of His gracious offer of having a right relationship with Him. Bible prophecy maps out the timeline for that long desired day of judgment. I don't know about you, but I get excited when I see it coming. I am not afraid of the return of the Lord. I pray for the return of the Lord every day. In fact, if you pray the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. That is what we're praying for. Set your kingdom up, Messiah, when your righteousness goes forth. When it goes forth out of Zion. Next slide, please. Our scriptures go with that. Of course, 2 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing. This is the Apostle Peter. Let me tell you, if anybody was ever in a hurry, it was Peter, wasn't it? Yeah, he did. He's the first Baptist. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing. Now, with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years. Now, I want to remind you, don't get into the theological, philosophical, hermeneutical, prophetic trap of saying, well, Peter said this, so therefore, any time I come across a day, it must be a thousand years. Wrong. Wrong. Don't be astonished with that. Peter's just reminding you that God's time is not ours. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And God's patience can outlive our patience by a thousand years. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing. That with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. And so we had to bring this up. I'm teaching the Revelation and Land Passion at the moment, and I have lots of questions about when's God coming back? And I was like, when you're good and ready. <laughs> the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. This is verse 9. As some count slackness, but is long suffering. Once again, if you remember that Hebrew picture there, he's long nosed, right? Long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish that all should come to repentance. Thank God that He is long-suffering and great patience that we might come to repentance. I think it's amazing 
how much love that shows, how much might that shows, how much promise and power that shows in prophecy that He should just wait one more day for us. Because as far as I'm concerned, we're ready to go to hell right now. Let's look at the next slide. Number nine, prepares us to get right with Him, Bible prophecy, God. When you read Bible prophecy and you read about it coming through, it ought to scare you. It ought to scare you. It ought to give you goosebumps. When you start reading things about God's Word coming through, that's how it was fulfilled. Sometimes just in an instant. The ninth reason concerns how Bible prophecy shows God's grace. Our Creator let us know it was going to happen ahead of time so that we could get right with Him. If God wanted to, He could just drop His hammer on everybody because we're sinners and He is not. You ever read that wonderful sermon by Jonathan Edwards? Sinners in the hands of an angry God. If you have it, I want to recommend it to you. Give you a complete different outlook on the Bible. Let's take a look at our scripture to go with that. Our next slide here. We're going to be sentenced to hell for our rebellion against our Creator and for breaking His moral law. But by God's grace and through His love, our Heavenly Father lets us know ahead of time what He's planning on doing. That's might, that's power, that's judgment, right? We know exactly what judgments are coming as well as exactly what blessings are coming. He grants us time to prepare and to get right with Him. And there are morons out there today saying, uh, I think I'll keep waiting another day. Let us know what's going to happen. Let's look at the scriptures. I know I'm out of time. So forgive me in that. Second Thessalonians 2, 3 to 5. Let no one deceive you. This is the Apostle Paul talking here. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day, being judgment day, the turn of the Lord will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Now, I love how the Apostle Paul lays it out there. Don't let anybody deceive you. Don't let anybody lie to you. Don't let books that are written out there tell you that something different is going to happen. Let no one deceive you by any means. But that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, telling himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? That's the Apostle Paul's view on it. God's great patience. Let's look at the next one. Number 10, Bible prophecy gives us hope. It gives us hope. Get the final reason in this list, though there are so many more reasons why God has given us Bible prophecy, would be that it's meant to give Christians hope. The Lord wants us to understand how the future will play out. Christians, you should be assured that you have a future in Jesus Christ. Let's take a look at that. Jesus will return his promise to rapture up his church. When and where the rapture is going to happen is up to you to decide. I'm not going to debate with you on it. When do I think it's going to happen? Before the wrath of God. Before the wrath. That's what I think it's going to happen. I am not afraid to say it. Am I pre-tribulation rapture? Mm, not really. Am I pre-wrath rapture? Absolutely. Jesus will return his promise to rapture up his church before during the tribulation. Then he will defeat evil. And finally, he will institute a thousand-year kingdom of peace and righteousness and justice. We gain hope knowing that the Christian's final destination is to dwell in peace without Creator forever in the eternal state. And scriptures you picture that to go with it. We have final scriptures of the night. Next slide, please. It's coming. I had hope that CD will get it. Huh. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Did you catch that? I know you did. You can read as well as I do. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise. Not last, not second, will rise first. Next slide. 
Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. Got you. A pot code, that Greek word right there, and that's how we get our word got you from it. The Latin, the translation is the Latin Vulgate, and what they put in there in the Latin Vulgate, raptured up, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. And verse 18 goes along with us. Number 10, comfort one another with these words. Bible prophecy gives us hope. It gives us comfort. Let's close in that word of prayer. And I want to ask you to be a part of what God is doing here at Robert Stanley. Come on Sunday morning as we take a look at the spiritual warfare that 2024 is going to bring upon us. Be prepared for what's your part in that spiritual warfare. What's God calling us to do? So we'll talk about that on Sunday morning. And Sunday night we'll actually look at a part two of that on our continued uh, efforts in the spiritual warfare. Let's close that word of prayer, and I'll see you guys Sunday. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the hope and the peace and the love that you've given us and the spirit, Lord God, that leads us and guides us and directs us. And I pray, Lord, as we depart your house tonight, your spirit will continue to lead us and guide us and direct us. Bring us safely home. Give us opportunity to witness. Bring us safely back again to worship you on Sunday morning. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great evening. Shalom, y'all.